What's up, everybody? This is Bobby Moynihan. I play Orca on Star Wars Resistance, and you're listening to Radio Dakar. Broadcasting across the galaxy, you're listening to Radio Dakar, a Star Wars podcast dedicated to Resistance, The Mandalorian, and more. Alright, hello everyone, and welcome to the latest edition of Radio Dakar. I'm your host, Doug Brooks, and this is my review of Star Wars The Clone Wars, Season 7, Episode 8, Together Again. Uh, This wraps up the arc with Ahsoka and the Martez sisters, as Ahsoka is, well, was officially away from the Jedi, but that may change as we are up against the Siege of Mandalore, which will be the next episode coming up to finish out the series. Uh, but we'll talk about uh, this episode, how it wrapped up the arc, and I will, at the end of the episode, get into the possibility of live-action Ahsoka. It's becoming more unofficially official. So I'll address it, but I'll leave that at the end of the episode if that's not your cup of tea. Um, The focus is on the episode. Uh, Let's get right into it. Uh, This one is written by Dave Filoni and Charles Murray, uh, directed by Nathaniel Villanueva. And it starts out where we last left the ladies, uh, back in jail with the Pikes. And... After everything they've been through, um, you know, there's still some uh, distrust there. Um, You know, Ahsoka and uh, Rafa, Martez especially, are like oil and water. They don't don't get along. Um, Trace, you know, she was friendly with Ahsoka at first. Now... They don't exactly trust each other, so there's just a lot of that going around. And the funny thing is, we don't really end the episode that much better. Um, Especially when they find out she's a Jedi, which you figure had to be coming after all they've been through. But there's an understanding, so that's good enough for now, I suppose. Um, But they're presented to um, Marg Krim. Marge Krim, maybe? He's, the Pike leader's name wasn't said much, so I can't remember the pronunciation. It was cool that it was Stephen Stanton, who's done so many voices on all the shows. Um, it's always it, just a magnificent guy. Um, great voice actor. It was good to have, have him so much in this episode. Um, you know, they come up with a good plan, because you know, last week I talked about you know, how they get out of this now that they're arrested again. You know, does Soka use the Force? Do they come up with their own plan? Do the Mandalorians break them out? Turn, turns out they had a pretty good idea for a plan. Or at least Ahsoka did. <clears throat> you know, to get the to get the ladies off-world, and then, you know, she would try to deal with it herself. What they thought to be a sacrifice, because they didn't yet know about her powers. But, 
you know, even after as convincing as Ahsoka was, and they agree to it, um, you know, Krem, it turns out he knows. I mean, he figures out it's a deception. But then he starts to allude to the <clears throat> to who he answers to, and, you know, even without the reveal later in the episode, we, we knew it was Maul because of the Shadow Collective and everything that's built up throughout the series. And the fact that Maul's in the Siege of Mandalore, so you knew he was coming at some point. Um, you know, but it helps to establish that the Pikes fear Maul. And, um, you know, that they know the consequences if they don't fall in line. That That's why so desperate to get the spice back. Even though they don't know it's been, it was jettisoned in hyperspace. So the the sisters are able to leave. Um, you know, they let them go, presumably to bring back the spice, but they're making a run for it. And you know, of course, as soon as Ahsoka um, put back in into the jail cell, she's able to break out. Um, yeah, I, I did like how you know how she's gathering the explosives uh, that she finds. You know, and then pays off later. Um, they didn't think to take her uh, gauntlets or anything that might be beeping on her arm. But um, so you got the Mandos, you know, Bo-Katan or Saran and the other, whoever that is. Maybe the armor. We don't know. Um, you know, they've been on the lookout. They've they see the sisters leave. They know Ahsoka didn't go with them. And you think they're going to help throughout the episode, but they don't. They don't ever reveal themselves, at least on Obadiah. Um. So th- that was neat. They weren't like the Deus Ex Machina of the episode. So, you know, Trace and Rafa had the heart-to-heart. I'm gonna, wherever that reef, the, like the little gas station or whatever they stopped at to have their little heart-to-heart, um, it almost felt like uh, the, the scene at the end of Spaceballs where uh, Lone Star and uh, Barf stop for a meal and then, you know, decide to go back. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway. So, you know, they, I, I, I like their, their plan here, too, to steal Spice from the Pikes and then turn around and say that was what they they were bringing them. So we get the, the nice scene at the docks, so to say. And um, special guest voice in this scene was Josh Brenner, who longtime listeners of this podcast will know as Niku from Resistance. So it was great to have Josh back. You know, we had Bobby Moynihan uh, earlier in this arc. Um, of course, Steven Stanton's all over the place. And now Josh Brenner's back on Clone Wars. So, you know, they're building up uh, people who have been on both. And, you know, it went the other way at first, you know, like Steve Bloom, um, Zeb from Rebels you know, was on resistance in a guest spot stuff like that but now they're they're bringing back some of the resistance folks who started there to do clone wars voices so that, that that's really fun that pleases me 
I, I know, of course, like longtime friend of the show, uh, Jonah Marie Macias, uh, was so glad to hear him. It's one of those cases where, you know, you hear the voice and you're like, okay, we, 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 we know who this should be. And then it turns out it's Josh. Oh, when I double checked in the credits and that, that was awesome. And then, um, you know, it goes back and forth with Ahsoka and everything, but, you know, they have the plan to get the spice loaded. Then turns out they have to fight the Trandoshan boss. And the, the whole sequence was really cool. And that was a good fight, uh, between him and Rafa. Um, yeah, the way she kind of got rid of him was <laughs> pretty vicious, but, you know, whatever. Um, so they've got the spice they need. But, uh, you know, Soka sets all the detonators. Um, yeah, this is the point where she overhears Maul uh, in communication via hologram with the Pikes. So, you know... You know, establishes you know the, the shadow collective and playing the playing the different parts of it against each other. But what's in, really interesting here is that Maul refers to Crimson Dawn. And this, if, I, if I'm doing my math right, this episode is at least nine years before we see him in Solo. What's especially funny is that if you watched the if you know if people in the future who watch this episode chronologically before solo, it totally ruins solo now, you know, cause the whole, the whole movie, you know, you're watching it and you're like, okay, who's Dryden, um, answer, answering to, he, he, you know, there's somebody above him. Who is this person? And then at the end, we find out and it's mall and it allowed me and little Han to have such an amazing geek out moment. It was, you know, we were so excited. But now, if you've watched this, you already know that. So, the, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um, might have to do this as an experiment with uh, the Padawan when he's older. Show him Clone Wars first, and then show him Solo, and see if he figures out that Maul's going to be in it. I don't know. Yeah, so, but, yeah, he's already... Trends, you know, he started Shadow Collective earlier in the Clone War series, and now you've got Crimson Dawn already exists at this point. Um, so maybe we'll find out more about that in other materials or whatever. Or it might be referred to in Siege of Mandalore. We'll see. Um, but Ahsoka gets captured again. Sisters. You know, come back in time. And this is where they find out that Ahsoka is a Jedi. Not from her own actions, but just because Krim uh, tells her. To, uh, you know, says it in front of them. Um, but uh, the charges go off. Ahsoka, uh, all she does is use force push. <laughs> but they escape. Um. You know, Mando's still watching. They see the detonations go off. So after all that, yeah, they um, use their own 
decisions and wits and ingenuity to escape. So th that was neat. And that it was all about coming up with their own plans and everything to do it instead of, like I say, getting bailed out by the Vandos or something like that. Uh, so, so good stuff there. Um, Got to give a shout out to Kevin Kiner for the music during the um, ship ship chase <laughs> uh, before they get off Obadiah. Um, a hint of you know classic Star Wars in there. Uh, this is the thing about like uh, when I was reviewing Resistance, I always went on about Michael uh, Tavera. <laughs> For you know, such a you know low scale animated kids show, uh, he had very grand uh, music on there, very memorable. I thought um, just kind of helped the scenes along. Kevin Kiner is way more subtle, I think. He, like the music's there; it's part of Star Wars, and then there's things like this where he he really cranks it up, and you're like, oh man, that's great. Um, but yeah, uh, the chase music was really good here. I liked it. Um, so, you know, they, they, they escape on their own. They make it all the way back to Coruscant. But, uh, yeah, the Mandalorian's following. And I love, love the cockpit shot of Bo-Katan, you know, tracking them as they're about to leave the system. And it's reminiscent of Boba Fett in Empire Strikes Back. So it kind of Intentional or not, I like the, the callback. And so by the time they get to Coruscant, they're still on that distrust that I talked about. Um, but the understanding is there. And, you know, like, like we have established, found out for the last couple of episodes, we know why the sisters don't like the Jedi because of the death of their parents and <laughs> Luminara is just not a good Jedi. You know, she loses Barris to the whole plot. Um, even after she dies, she's used to lure Kanan. And then, you know, after the Martez parents die, she doesn't really comfort the, the girls. Uh, she does a crappy job with that. Just, you know, the will of the force. You know, BS. <laughs> uh, so it's it's right for the Martez sisters to not trust the Jedi, but then they see Ahsoka helping them selfish, selflessly. I'm recording this late at night. I've got to get my words right. I'm going to go to bed after this, then um, edit in the morning. Not that I do a lot of editing, um, but you know, I have to build the build the show, put them in the intro and all that. Hopefully, the off the cuff way I do this is pleasing to people. Anyway, uh, but I, I I love the line when Rafa is talking to Ahsoka about what kind of a Jedi she is. She says, it's how I want them to be referring to her. Um, 
I think Dave Filoni said so much in um, the little wrap-up video they did this week. You know, Qui-Gon was one of the main Jedi of the prequels because he focused on the, the selfless acts and showing compassion like that. And Ahsoka is like the, the true embodiment of that. And she is down that training line. We don't really think about it too much, but, you know, Qui-Gon, Obi-Wan, Anakin, Ahsoka, it went all the way down. <laughs> and indirectly, you know, Ahsoka passing along learnings to Kanan and Ezra. We saw what they did. Who else is she going to teach? We'll see. But then Bo-Katan shows up and she needs, rather than being the one who bailed them out and helped them, she needs help from Ahsoka. And Ahsoka you know, has the conflict because it's going to lead her back to the Jedi. And but she may not be done with the sisters because she did keep her bike there. Um, we'll see if anything comes of that. I'm trying to. I was trying to when I was watching this again. I was trying to remember if any of these details come out in the Ahsoka novel by E.K. Johnston, which I listened to a few years ago now. Um, Ashley Eckstein does the uh, the audio book. It's excellent. Uh, it's a fun story. Um, I, I need to revisit it, especially after the series is over, because. I think it refers back to this time in her life, but I, you know, don't know if the details match up exactly. Um, but that, that's that's the the end of the arc. Um, she's off to Mandalore, where Maul is, and the siege of Mandalore is going to take us out. Four more episodes, and we're going to overlap with Revenge of the Sith. And it should be amazing. Um, but that's next. That starts next week. Um, you know, this wrapped up a nice, you know, coming of age uh, character development thing for um, for Ahsoka. You know, you're kind of away from the war for a few episodes. So, you know, we had Bad Batch. We were on the front lines. Um, we got to see like how the galaxy, you know, the little corners, you know, what's going on with the criminal underworld, and just how everyday people are dealing with it. Yeah, I thought it was a nice arc, and um, and it, it was interesting how the lack of trust was there the entire time with Rafa especially in Ahsoka, but the understanding developed. So, that's it. Um, yeah. Good stuff. Can't wait for next week. Can't, uh, expect to be blown away by it. Um, so that's it for the episode review. Yeah, if that's all you wanted, that's fine. Thank you for listening. Um, but I will continue on talking about Ahsoka in other media. So it it is not yet.
confirmed by StarWars.com or any official channels. And I typically don't talk about rumors on this show. I like to stick to the facts and what's coming up, you know, official announcements. But when so many media types, I think, uh, shoot, I think Slash Film was the originator of the breaking story, but then it was confirmed, you know, Variety's run it, uh, Hollywood Reporter, that... Ahsoka will appear in live action in The Mandalorian Season 2 and will be played by Rosaria Dawson. I... I like that... Okay, let's assume it's true and that this has already been filmed and it's ready to go. We, we know the Season 2 wrapped photography, so this isn't like oh, she's casted and she's about to do this. No, uh, I would, unless there's some pickups to do, this is a done deal and that she has already filmed whatever. So I'll just talk a bit about that from the, from the perspective that it's, it's a done deal. Um, I would love to see Ahsoka in live action. I hope it's true. And I, I, and I think I can figure out how it fits. You know, at first you're like, oh, it should be Ashley playing the role. You know, she originated it. Um, I can't remember who. I should have, you know, gone back and found the tweet. But somebody pointed out, she's like five foot two. And Ahsoka, in, by her adult age, is way taller than that. So, you know, it wouldn't work from that perspective. You know, you thought, well, because they do, you know, Ray Park played Maul and then Sam Witwer still voiced him in Solo. You could do something like that where Rosaria does everything and then Ashley voices her. But I think it was on the Resistance broadcast. They said, you don't hire somebody like Rosaria Dawson to be voiced over. So fair enough. And then you got to think about, look, Saw he was voiced by somebody totally different in the Clone Wars when he was younger. And then they brought on um, Forrest Whitaker. I had to think about his name for a second. And, I mean, he, he did the role. He did the persona and the voice. Granted, it's years later, you know. But then, you know, they went back and he voiced, Forrest Whitaker voiced saw when he appeared on Rebels. So they just ran with that. Uh, I think an important thing to keep in mind. So if Mandalorian Season 1 I think officially took place five years after Return of the Jedi. The last we see of Ahsoka even with the world between worlds still. That, uh, so that's the end of season two for Rebels. That is three years before the Battle of Yavin. And then it's another four years to the Battle of Endor. So that's seven. Add five years. When Ahsoka appears in season two of Mandalorian, we will not have seen her in the timeline in 12 years. 
that could explain change in voice unless uh, unless Rosario is just going for a you know to try to match Ashley as best she can. So I think it'll work from that perspective that it's 12 years later, roughly. Well, I mean, at least for sure a decade. And, you know, if she's still a Trigruta, you know, we, we don't know exactly how they age. So maybe she in that 10 years hits a growth, you know, growth spurt or whatever, where her voice changes and everything. So it makes sense. It's not like you know, this takes place a year after her last appearance in Rebels, after Twilight of the Apprentice. No, it's, it's way longer than that. Also, going back to the epilogue of Rebels, we don't, we still don't know exactly when that t- takes place. When Sabine leaves Lothal to go with Ahsoka to look for Ezra. All we know is that it's post-Endor, and presumably post-Jakku, which is a year after Endor. My guess is that that epilogue takes place after Ahsoka's appearance in The Mandalorian. That whatever she does on the show is one of the last things she does before she has to Lothal go with Sabine that frees up that story whether it's uh, an animated series this fall or whatever so because of that I think her appearance on the Mandalorian will be quote unquote Ahsoka the White where they went with the, the robes and the staff that way, it's not, you know, skin-tight outfit, acrobatic Ahsoka that we saw in Rebels and Clone Wars. It's more reserved, stoic Ahsoka that we saw at the very end of Rebels in the epilogue. That way, Rosaria can wear the, you know, the robe and the makeup is under that. So it's not as distracting even though we've seen uh, uh, Shakti is the same species. We saw her in the movies. So in that you can do that species photorealistic. It's not an issue of, oh, it's going to look like crap on camera. Um, I just think they're going to match up her look from the epilogue. And then uh, there's also talk, uh, spe- speculation that um, you know, uh, she'll appear a little bit in Mandalorian, but this is to set up her own series, which I would think would take place before this. So it's like, you know, she disappears after Rebels. She goes into hiding because she's supposed to be dead. We get a series of her adventures in that time period. Then chronologically, she shows up in Mandalorian to help with something, and then she goes to Lothal to leave with Sabine to look for Ezra. And then we get that series. That's totally a guess. Real quick, um, uh, without getting into too much detail, I, I do sympathize that Rosaria Dawson may not be the best pick for this because of her um, 
real life issues with other uh, other people. Um, the uh, for if you, if you don't know, she's um, had an issue with transphobia and stuff, which is not is not good if it's true. Um, but I don't think it's something as easy as uh, if if you remember they replaced who voiced Leia on Resistance because of a public outcry like this. That was way easier. All they had to do was re-record the lines with somebody else in a hurry. Um, if they've already chosen her and felt and the, her footage is in the can, that's trickier. Um, and I will understand if people are upset that she's playing the role because of her history. Um, I, I, I sympathize with that. There's just not much you can do about it at this point. That said, she's a wonderful actress. I love her in Clerks too, um, and Sin City. I think that's the only two movies I've actually seen her in. Wonderful actress. I'm, I'm sure she'll do a great job. But I understand that people are mad at her. But hope you know. If we're gonna see a soak in live action, it's gonna be great. I think. I think they'll pull it off correctly, especially if Dave Filoni's involved. She definitely needs to show up on Cassian because of the whole fulcrum thing. I'll, that's a story for another day. I'm going to wrap it up. I've gone on long enough about it. Uh, thank you for listening. Follow me on, on social media, uh, Instagram and Twitter at Radio Dakar. Um, I'm on most major podcast platforms, uh, Anchor, SoundCloud, um, Google Play, Spotify, all those. Uh, you can become a patron of the show at patreon.com slash Radio Dakar. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back with more reviews soon. Until then, may the force be with you.